Hello everyone and welcome to Lauren's Library. I am your host, Shecky. Shecky Shabazz. <laughs> I'm kidding. One of these days I'm going to learn how to be serious, but today is not that day. My name is Lauren and you are listening to my podcast, Lauren's Library, if you couldn't tell from the title. Make sure you get comfortable, you know, grab a snack, grab a seat, grab a drink, grab a blanket, or if you're driving, grab the steering wheel because I will not be held responsible for your accidents, okay? I don't have the money to pay your insurance, I'm sorry. So now that you're here, you can't leave. You're not allowed to leave. Think of me as like if you're on social media and you're scrolling and you accidentally click on somebody's live, but before you can click out of it, they acknowledge you because it's just the two of y'all in there looking at each other. And, you know, you feel real bad for trying to X out of it then. So you're just stuck listening to it. That's this podcast. Imagine me staring you dead in your face, telling you you're not allowed to leave now. You're stuck for the next half hour. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So we have a lot of stuff to get through for today. I just wanted to acknowledge that if you guys made it through last week's episode where I, you know, I was too close to the mic. I mean, every word that had a P in it. You could hear every every breath behind it. You deserve a medal. Okay, I don't have a medal to give you, but just think of me saying that you deserve a medal as your actual medal, you know? Thank you for sticking with me. And as we continue, it's gonna get better. It's a learning process, a learning curve for everybody involved. You feel me? So I just wanted to put that disclaimer out there. Thank you for sticking with me and giving me a shot because I would be nothing without the six of you that are listening. <laughs> I would be really happy if there were six people listening. Let me let me stop exaggerating. But so the first thing I wanted to talk to you guys about was another story that I found on TikTok because like I told you, the book community is super dramatic, especially on TikTok. Like it's it's a whole war zone over there. It's quite entertaining because I can watch from a distance because I'm not involved in any of it because TikTok honestly makes me nervous. So I haven't mastered it yet, but I do go up there to remain abreast of the drama that is occurring. So this story I actually talked about when I was doing the other podcast, which almost seems like a fever dream at this point because it was just, it was there and then it was gone. I talked about that story on that podcast. It was the Piper CJ story. So I wanted to talk to you about her story. She's a famous TikToker, has 1 million followers on TikTok. And she talks to them about folklore because she has a master's in folklore. Honestly, truly, I did not know that existed. I did not know that was a thing. Wasn't aware that people were that invested in folklore, but I'm not mad at it. If that's what you like, that's what tickles your pickle. Good for you. I love that for you. But for me, yeah, no. <laughs> but anyway, she's a famous TikToker with a million followers with a master's in folklore. Um, she decides to write a book. It's called The Night and Its Moon. And funny thing, when I wrote the notes on this story, I actually went to Target. 
a couple of days after and I saw a copy of The Night and Its Moon on the shelf. And I picked that thing up. That thing was thick. That's a thick book. I ain't finna read it. But if y'all guys, if y'all decide to read it and you know, you want to talk to me about it, please come find me. I'm not going to do it because it's way too much. It's way too big for me. And it's about stuff that I don't really, really like to partake in. So eh, not my thing. So she writes this book, right? The Night and Its Moon in six days. That's 20,000 words a day, which is like an 80,000 word book. Wait, no, no, I can't do math. That's not 80,000. That's freaking 120,000. I think if my math is mathing correctly, that's 120,000 words. It's like a 500 or 400 page book. Okay. In six days. And before we even get into the rest of the drama around that book, that is impressive. Okay. Because I'm trying to write a book myself. I'm working on my debut novel. Yes. And I'll be struggling to get through the 10,000 words a day, let alone 20,000. Like that's, that's impressive. I gotta give it to her. You know, she wrote this book, 20,000 words a day, six days, one week, you know, and on the seventh day she rested. Amen. She decided not to get the book professionally edited. She instead had one of her, I think it was her beta readers or arc readers, whatever, edit it for her. This person had no background in editing whatsoever. It was just like, yeah, I'm going to do this now. Okay, cool. Thanks. Bye. So she had that person edit it because she didn't have the resources and she didn't think anyone would read it, which is total BS because she went on her TikTok with the million followers and was like, hey guys, I'm writing a book. This is what it's called. Who wants to read it? So of course, if you have that big of a following and they're really invested in the content that you make, if you say, hey, I have a book, they're going to read it. Like, come on now. Like, who are you trying to fool? She heavily promotes the book on her TikTok and asks her followers to read it. She did a video that's now deleted that had a request for 10 ARC readers. And if you don't know what an ARC is, it is an advanced reading copy for those who do book reviews. It's so they can generate the buzz about the title. You know, they can review it on their own Instagram or TikTok or Goodreads, NetGalley or a BookBub or a, what is it? Idlewise, Bookwise. There's another one. It's like real fancy, hard to get into. You got to like audition to be one of the ARC readers or whatever. Haven't tried that because I ain't got time. There are tons of places to get the books before they come out so you can review them and show them to your own audience. So she asked for 10 ARC, re ARC readers and got 550 requests. So clearly people are excited to read stuff that she's putting out. So for her to claim, I didn't think anyone would read that. That's a bunch of BS, like a lot of someone else. Okay. And during this request, you know, they're, they're hyping her up like, oh, it's really good. It's amazing. It's so great. It's perfect. So she doesn't think she needs to get professional editing done. And she jokes that she's not in the place to accept negative reviews. So she won't accept them. And I mean, for me, in my opinion, that's a bunch of crap as well, because Part of being a writer or even a content creator as a whole is you're, you're putting yourself out there for other people to consume your content. There's going to be somebody that doesn't like it. There's going to be somebody that actually hates it as part of life. It sucks and it's hard to hear sometimes, especially because, you know, if they don't know you, they don't have any like relationship to you or with you. They're not necessarily going to hold back. So you can get some pretty intense emotions or negative emotions about certain content from people. Cause some people are just mean. I get, you know, not wanting to have the negative reviews, but you need it. 
sometimes. Sometimes the negative reviews can actually help you get better. They help you write. They, they increase your skill. They give you, you know, an idea of what you need to work on, what you need to focus on, what you need to look at the next time around. It's not always a bad thing. But in her case, she says that she's not accepting negative reviews because she's not in the space to hear them. I'm going to go to work and say, you know, during my performance evaluation, if they say anything negative, I'm going to be like, look, I'm not in the space to hear a negative comment. So I'm just not going to accept it. I'll let you guys know how that works out. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, the book comes out. It's riddled with sentencing structure, continuity, and spelling errors because she did not get it professionally edited. And honestly, if you're writing 20,000 words a day, you wrote a, a, a 400 something page book in a week, you're gonna need to get somebody to edit it because you know, you in the zone, you like you in, in, in the mood to write, you know, you got your, your environment set up, you know, you you want to roll, you're going to skip over some words. You're going to misspell things. You're going to, you know, have like air, like you're not perfect. You're human. There's going to be some mistakes in there, which is why you need somebody to come behind you and be like, Hey, you need to fix this. And she didn't want to do that. So she put it out full of errors and the editor, AKA the reader that she was using comes across the two star Goodreads review. And I read that review actually, and it was super well-written. It was super helpful, offered like tons of explanations as to why it was rated the way it was rated and like things that could be done to make it better. And instead of taking this as a learning experience or like as a lesson, like, hey, maybe I should have focused on this, they decide to bully the girl. So CJ decides to start bullying this girl. She's posting like stuff that the girl has posted about other books and it's just like, ugh, you know, she likes this, but she doesn't like my stuff. You know, trying to discredit her however she can. Later on, she apologizes for that. So I guess they, they hashed out their issues. So, okay. But then another reviewer pops up and her name is Reads with Rachel. She has a, a YouTube channel and a TikTok channel. Well, she had a TikTok. Uh, she did a detailed review and pointed out like the blatant plagiarism and misogyny and problematic representation that was like all throughout this book, right? The review was super snarky. Like I, I, I watched her YouTube review on it, super snarky, but it was actually also constructive and really, you know, helpful if you can get past the snark and take it for what it was. You know, it may have been hard to hear for the author, but it was fair. But instead, once again, instead of taking this as constructive criticism, she decides that she's not in the place to hear negative reviews and once again starts bullying this girl. Reads with Rachel posts her clips to TikTok and then CJ sends her minions in her defense and they start reporting the account for content violation. She had some of her friends comment from multiple different accounts. So then this happens so often that Rachel's account ends up getting banned on TikTok. But that didn't stop her though, because she went back to YouTube and was like double doubling down on what she said, saying it with all the chest. Okay. Which I appreciate. You know? Stand by what you said, even if it has a negative reaction, you know? So yes, the book is then picked up by source books. Because something about publishers, no matter how trash the book is, if it's getting a lot of press, it's getting a lot of like reviews and attention or whatever, a traditional publisher is gonna try and snatch. The book is traditionally published, right? CJ keeps the first version of the book and sells it as a special edition, um, which I still find, I kind of find hilarious because it's like, she's gonna make money off this book. 
one way or another, okay? <laughs> so she kept the first book and sold it as a special edition for people who wanted to read that. And then the Reads with Rachel reviews the second version of the book. And while the spelling errors and whatnot have been fixed, the plagiarism and the other issues are still present. And then, you know, she believes that she's outside of criticism for this book, which is why she's attacking the people who are reviewing it negatively because it's so personal to her that she does not think she needs to get negative reviews, which is a bunch of crap. Like I said earlier, if you're going to put your content out there, you have to be prepared for people to not like it. You know, no matter how personal it is to you, you could have spent 50,000 hours doing it, but if somebody doesn't like it, they don't like it. People are entitled to not like your stuff. And this is coming from me, the biggest crybaby out there. You know, the one that has to like cover her ears and go la 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 while you're reading her stuff because she's scared you're going to hate it. Even I know that sometimes, you know, you're going to get people that don't like it. It sucks. If you need to cry about it, cry about it to yourself, cry about it to your friends, scream into a pillow, drown your sorrows in ice cream, whatever you need to do, but don't go bully the person that posted it. Like that's such an ugly look. Like that's not a good look, especially if you're going to continue to put content out. It's not a good look at all. Like you're just going to have to get over it. But instead of getting over it, she's just like, yeah, I'm not in the place for negative reviews. So shove it (laughs) basically. And you know, when she addressed the bullying of the other reviews, reviewers, She says that she does not have the time for sock puppetry, which is a really flowery way of saying she doesn't have time to pretend to be people she's not, you know, and like burner accounts and whatnot. I laughed at that myself because that is like a really, a really dramatic way to say that. And I I can't fault her too bad for that because I'm dramatic myself. When I'm talking, sometimes I use words that are like unnecessarily flowery or ridiculous almost like my husband will tell you that sometimes I I talk like I'm a cartoon villain and you know, it is what it is. Love me or leave me, you know? (laughs) Yeah. That is a wild story, honestly. And to keep going with the whole, like, I'm not going to get negative reviews thing. She started her own publishing imprint. I don't know what the name of it is, but she did that. So she didn't have to listen to editors or anything like that with whatever content she decides to put out next. And I also started my own imprint, but it's not for that. Okay. (laughs) I put it, like I started it so I could start my own, like I could publish my own books. And so I could also help other people publish their stories too. Next time you're at work or you're in an argument with someone and they say something that you don't like, just be like, oh, I am not in the place to receive negative reviews. So, or I'm not in the place to receive negative comments. So I'm not going to accept that. Try it and see how far you get with it. I'd really love to know. (laughs) This is Life Advice 101 with the Boogie Babe, aka Lauren's Library host. Another thing that causes drama and controversy between people is audiobooks versus physical books. Perfect example of this. I had a conversation with my mom the other day. Sorry, mom, put you on blast, but I had a conversation with my mom, right? And I was telling her that I was listening to books on audio. And she's like, oh, that's kind of cheating, isn't it? And I had to correct her and be like, no, it's not cheating. It's still the same information. You're still taking in the same words. You're just doing it differently than, you know, reading a physical book. 
Plus, oral storytelling has been a thing since before physical books were even created. So audiobooks technically are the OGs if you really want to get technical with it. But I can't fault her too bad because I used to be a part of that crew too. Like, ugh, audiobooks are cheating, but they're not. They're not. Like I've been on an audiobook kick this year in 2023 and it is a game changer. Let me tell you, you can read a book or listen to a book while you're doing anything. You know, because like with the physical book, you have to sit and actually read it. So, you know, that laundry that you've been meaning to do or that meal you got to cook or, you know, that other stuff that you have to take care of gets put on hold while you read the physical book, right? But with an audio book... You can read and you can do those things. So you're multitasking. It's amazing. And plus, audiobooks were actually created for the blind and otherwise disabled. Like if they people that can't hold books up physically, it's, it's made for them so that they can still enjoy stories as well. So think about that next time you talk trash about audiobooks, okay? Plus, in some of the groups that I'm in on Facebook for reading, they will post like, you know, their monthly wrap up at the end of the month, talking about all the books that they read. Right. And some of them be having like 20, 25, some even 30 books in one month. And I'm just like, how are y'all reading that much? Do you have a job? Like, do you, do you eat? Like, how are you reading that much? Turns out they reading them audio books and they, they up in the speed a little bit. So you can knock through Bushri or them bad boys in a week. And when I figured that out, I was like, oh, snap, wait. <laughs> so I had to try it. And I've been, you know, listening to the audiobooks myself now. And like I said, it is a game changer. I've gotten through like 30 something books and it's only March. You know, that that is like a record for me. So I'm super excited about it. So now... If you talk bad about an audiobook, we're going to have to fight, okay? But also, things that people may not realize about audiobooks is that they have a lot of benefit. You know, it actually builds, like for children, if you have kids, you have, you have the crotch goblins, it builds crucial listening skills for them. It enhances vital literacy skills, such as like fluency, vocabulary, language acquisition, pronunciation, and comprehension skills. Not to mention, audiobooks reduce negative thinking. Did you know that? Bet you didn't. If you struggle with anxiety and depression, listening to someone read out loud can actually help replace those negative thoughts with something else. You know, I didn't even know that audiobooks can technically help with that, but they can. So if you're feeling down, break open a book or turn on a book. You never know. It could actually help you out. And plus, they have the same benefits of reading. Like I said, if someone tries to tell you that audiobooks is cheating, slap them in the face. No, no, I'm kidding. I won't condone violence up here. But let them know that it is not cheating. Okay? Because the brain takes in the information either way. And honestly, reading requires more because you have to look, like, you have to look at the words and then your brain has to, like, transform the words or whatever, like interpret the words and the letters and stuff like that some people for some people that's automatic thing so you don't realize that it takes the extra step but for others they struggle with it so if that's the case boom break out that audiobook and you're good to go and something that we can all relate to audiobooks relax the eyes okay so if you spend 
all day looking at a phone screen or a TV screen, or you have a desk job, so you're looking at a computer screen all day, every day, audiobooks give your chance, give you a chance to still technically read, but give your eyes a break. Okay, so you're not straining your eyes too much. And you know, there's a link between social media and like feelings of depression and whatnot. So instead of scrolling on that phone, mindlessly scrolling, break out the audiobook and you know, do something with your hands, draw, color, do a puzzle, knit a sweater, like something, you know, give your eyeballs a bit of a break. But then again, I guess if that's the case, you probably shouldn't have sewing needles if you're giving your eyes a break. <laughs> so maybe do something else, but give your eyes a chance to rest while you're still taking in that information. The blue light from screens is a disruption to your circadian rhythm. So if you, on your your phone, your tablet, your computer, whatever, whatever, you want that all night, especially like right before you go to bed, it can make going to sleep a lot more difficult. So then instead, you can turn on the audio book and then doze off to sleepy, sleepy land without issue. Another benefit that I bet you didn't realize because I didn't realize it either, audiobooks improve time management. Being able to work your brain and read books while you're like driving, cleaning, exercising, blah, 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 total win, okay? And it allows, like, it actually makes less satisfying chores super enjoyable. Like for me, I hate laundry, hate laundry, hate laundry. Okay, listen to me when I say I hate doing laundry. So now when I turn on the audiobooks, I still hate doing laundry. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but I hate it a lot less. Like I said, win-win situation. And plus, like people don't realize, but audiobooks offer like a different experience when reading. You're taking in the same information, but there are added elements that make it like so much more interesting, right? If it's a book that's set in a certain culture, you can have somebody that's doing the accent. For a specific example, Matt Haig, his book, How to Stop Time. I can't remember the name of the, of the narrator for that book, but he did a phenomenal job, okay? Phenomenal. Like he was singing, like his inflections were amazing. He had different accents. Like he made that story like a totally different experience. And while the book itself, like the story itself was really, really good, but he made it even better with those added elements. And there's, there's certain things that you can't really get if you're reading a physical book, right? Like you can't get the accents because sometimes you don't know how to do the accent or you don't know how to pronounce a word or, you know, you don't know how to get these certain inflections to convey the emotions and blah, blah, blah. Like audiobooks, you can do that now. <laughs> So next time someone tries to tell you that an audiobook is cheating, mom, I'm looking right at you, okay? Mom, okay? <laughs> next time you want to say that audiobooks are cheating, I need you to understand that you are misinformed. And it's it is my job that I have given myself to inform you so that you can have educated opinions on things, you know, because you can be loud, but don't be loud and wrong, you know, pick a struggle. So yes, now that we've gotten that out of the way, <laughs> now we can move on to my favorite section, which is called 
story time. Now, before I get into this story, last week, <laughs> last week I was attempting to do voices and whatnot. And I have learned because I am, I'm open to learning. I have learned about myself that I need to work on that. Not quite good at the accents yet. Not quite good at the different voices. So bear with me. <laughs> bear with me. I'm going to try not to sound like a total idiot, but there's no promises. Okay. Okay. Thank y'all. So with this story, this is Bruno part two and a quick overview of last week. It was about a young woman who was supposed to get married, but everybody was murdered. And she's sitting in the police station talking to the two officers about what happened and she tells them about her twin brother that no one knew she had because her mother kept him a secret, hid him from the public, neglected him, mistreated him, all of that. So in order to exact revenge, he killed everyone. And this story is not, might not necessarily be criminally accurate. I get that. We just having fun here. We're not trying to do nothing serious. We just having fun. So if you feel the need or you feel compelled to be like, Oh, that's not what happens in a, a criminal investigation, then just know that I am not in the place to accept negative reviews. So I will not listen to that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you. So now that we have that out of the way, let's get into story time. Hope you guys enjoy it. present day. Social services showed up that night with the police, but since we were 17 already, there wasn't much that they could do or even really wanted to do for us. I was permitted to stay with our grandmother for the last year of high school, and she had been completely shocked to know that I had a brother. Mama was always so good at keeping secrets. Grandma took one look at Bruno and wanted absolutely nothing to do with him. I was an easy case. He was a different story. I shook my head sadly, thinking about what my twin brother had gone through. He couldn't read, he couldn't write, he could barely talk. And from the conversations I'd overheard with my grandmother, they had to keep him sedated almost constantly. Whenever he was lucid, he would scream until his throat sounded like it was gonna collapse in on itself. Both officers stared at me incredulously, but I kept going. There was so much I had to get through. That year, before we turned 18, I think it was the worst for him. He went from never seeing or speaking to anyone but me and mama to being thrust into a therapeutic foster home where he didn't know anyone. He had never been out of the sun before. His skin blistered. His immune system was complete crap. He needed dentures. His stomach couldn't handle regular food. He attacked anyone and everyone. The home kicked him out only a month after he got there. He would attack the other children in the home. I rubbed my free hand across my forehead, not caring if there was any makeup smudging. I'm sure I look like a complete mess, but at this point I didn't really care. He was sent to the hospital and calmed down long enough to make it the rest of the way until our 18th birthday. What happened then? Detective Hallberg asked, leaning forward. Detective Hardy glared at the side of his face, but he seemed more interested in hearing the story. He didn't even look in her direction. They connected him with me and I let him stay with me for a little while. A lump formed in my throat. I hated thinking about how I acted in those moments. I knew, in theory, after years of therapy, 
that what happened and how I reacted wasn't my fault, but I could never figure out how to completely erase the guilt, you know? Hallberg and Hardy both stared at me as I laid my life bare in front of them. I couldn't quite tell whether they believed me or not, but if anything, this made for an interesting story while they waited to hear from the officers that were probably still at the scene. I helped as much as I could, but I was young and selfish. I just wanted to live my own life. When I moved out and went to college, I let him live with me for as long as I could. I mean, as long as I could stomach it. But he was becoming harder and harder to deal with. He was disgusting. He had never learned to clean up after himself. And he wouldn't listen when I tried to teach him or when anyone at the foster home or at the hospital tried. He had recently discovered the internet in his foster home. And I'm pretty sure you can guess what happened with that. He would be watching videos full of sex and violence at full volume all hours of the day and night. Wouldn't even attempt to hide himself. I had tried to bring home a friend so we could study for our exams and as soon as I opened the door, there he was on the couch, completely naked, just going at himself like a madman. It was so gross and I was so embarrassed. He looked right at my friend and still wouldn't stop. She never spoke to me after that again. After that day, I couldn't take it anymore and I just kicked him out and changed the locks. He ended up homeless and on drugs after that. During his binges, he would yell to anyone who would listen about his plan to kill his family and, well, here we are. I heard a snort and looked up at the officers. Officer Hardy shook her head and heaved herself out of the chair. I noted how out of shape she was and vaguely wondered how she had passed any of the fitness tests required to become an officer. Brianne and Gillette, you cannot possibly expect us to believe this far-fetched tale. She glared at me angrily, probably upset thinking I was wasting her time. I shrugged and slid down in my seat as far as the handcuffs would allow. It was certainly worth a shot. Detective Hallberg stood without making eye contact and left the room. Officer Hardy followed after him a moment later leaving me in the room by myself once again. Tears welled in my eyes. I knew they wouldn't believe me, but a small part of me had still hoped. Anyone that could confirm my story was now dead. My grandmother had passed a few years earlier, and I had absolutely no idea how to get in touch with the therapeutic foster home or our social worker from back then, if they would even let me. Another hour passed before anyone else came in the room. It was Detective Hallberg, and he was alone this time with a Walmart bag in his hand. Luckily for you, Miss Gillette, we don't have enough evidence to keep you here. Officers found some bloody footprints at the scene that don't match the shoes you're wearing. So there's cause to believe that someone else was in the room and was still alive at the time of the other murders. He leaned forward and unlocked the cuffs from the table. He handed me the bag and I peered inside. What I could see, it was a pair of sweatpants and a hoodie. You can change in the bathroom. We'll need to keep the dress here for evidence. I gathered my tattered and bloody dress up in my arms and stood. I took a few minutes to change in the bathroom, and once I emerged, I spotted Detective Hallberg standing awkwardly off to the side. Uh, can someone escort me to my apartment and maybe patrol the area tonight? I'm scared he'll come back, you know, to finish the job. Detective Hallberg studied me for a moment and then glanced down at the floor. I already knew what he was going to say. Unfortunately, we are extremely short-staffed in this precinct, and we just... I... We don't have the manpower to spare to put someone on patrol outside of your residence tonight, but if you see something suspicious, please call 911. I nodded. Okay. When you find my body, just know that I fought my hardest, okay? 
He wouldn't look me in the eyes as I left. By the time I got home, it was dark out. I had been in the precinct all day, but I didn't feel like it accomplished much of anything. Maybe I could move again, but change my name this time. I don't know why I didn't do it before. I understood Bruno's frustration and his anger. I knew that the drugs and the homelessness only fueled his rage, but that didn't mean I was ready to die. Even though she was dead, part of me felt guilty for breaking Mama's number one rule. We don't talk about Bruno. Her and I had reconnected a few years ago, and we were working through our traumatic past in therapy. She still refused to mention or even acknowledge Bruno. I had always hoped they would reconcile. At some point. I guess now it's too late. I'm sorry, Mama. I whispered into the air of my empty living room. Something moving out of the corner of my eye near the window grabbed my attention. The hairs on the back of my neck rose instantly. My eyes barely had time to register what was going on in the darkness before the entire apartment was flooded with light. I squinted, trying to figure out what was going on. And then I saw him. He was wearing the same bloody clothing from earlier. Dirt mixed with blood and sweat smeared all over his face and hands. His eyes were bloodshot and wild, barely focusing on anything around him. They flickered back and forth before settling on me and a deranged smile spread across his cracked lips. Sister, he said. Hi, Bruno, I whispered back. I barely had time to scream before he attacked. Chapter 4, One Week Later I reached over to turn off the alarm, my eyes barely open and covered in early morning crusties. I felt like I had just crawled into bed not even two hours ago before this alarm went off. I had pulled an all-nighter the night before, not because of work, but because I had had a paper I needed to finish for school. When I took this job with the police department, I had promised myself that I would finish my bachelor's degree no matter what. The supervisor had allowed me to take a few days off to catch up on schoolwork. I was appreciative of him being so accommodating with my schedule, considering this was a full-time job. As I dragged my body out of bed, my work phone rang from the pocket of my pants in a heap on the floor beside me. I made a mental note to pick up a little bit around the house whenever I had the chance. The takeout boxes were beginning to pile up and the dirty dishes in the sink had given the apartment a slight smell. I didn't want to end up with bugs. Hallberg's name flashed across the screen of my phone. My partner. I wasn't technically on the clock for another four hours, but I would always answer for him. He was my family, my friend. Plus, he had the kindest eyes. Always made our cases a little easier because victims and the criminals alike found themselves pouring their hearts out to him, and he never judged. There have been many a night after work when I found myself in a bar with a drink in hand doing the very same. He always listened. Halberg, what's up? I answered. Sleep coated my voice, making it deeper and gruffer than usual. I always hated the sound of my voice after I had been sleeping. To me, it sounded kind of like a man. The line was quiet, and I heard him swallow, then sigh before speaking. Have you heard? I immediately stood up straighter. He never used that tone unless it was something serious. Heard what? I've been on social media and telephone blackout trying to get this paper done. You know, I've always struggled with, they found a body. Her body. Whose body? I juggled the phone between my ear and my shoulder while I hurried to get my uniform on. Looks like this was going to be another long shift. Gillette's. She was in the clothes we had given her to go home in. My blood ran cold. I hadn't believed a word of her story at the time. It seemed so far-fetched. I mean, a secret twin brother? 
one that figured out where she was getting married and slaughtered her entire family plus her groom's family? It made no sense. It sounded like a movie plot. A bad one. Things like that don't just happen in real life. Neither of us truly believed her story. And, I mean, we just sent her on our way home without protection. We sent her home to get murdered. Time of death? I barely squeaked out. 8.45. That was 45 minutes after we had released her from holding. I knew we should have sent her home with some type of protection. We made her a walking target. This is on us, Hardy. I swallowed heavily, guilt coursing through my body at a rapid pace. There were defensive wounds all over her body and blood all over the place. She definitely didn't go down without a fight. Okay, I'm coming in. I managed to hide the devastation from my voice. If only we had listened to her, we wouldn't be in this situation. There's no talking our way out of this one. We would be lucky if we still had our jobs after this investigation was finished. Desk duty definitely in our future. One more thing, Hardy. There was a note. I froze. He gulped into the phone, sounding like he was trying his hardest not to break down. This was hard on him, I could tell. He claimed he never believed what she said, but still wanted to have someone patrol the area just in case. I mean, just to be safe. I had convinced him not to. This was my fault. What did it say? I heard him sniffle quietly. It said, We shouldn't have talked about Bruno. And that is all we have time for today. So yes, if you want to check out some more short stories from me, they're on my blog, www.thebookiebabe.com. That's bookie with a Y. You can find me on the Lauren's Library podcast page on Instagram or the Bookie, pa- bookie Bay page, which is the Bookie Babe with an underscore, Bookie with a Y as well. Basically what I'm saying is if you want to talk to me, there are multiple ways that you can find me. But one way or another, I will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. Bye, guys.